Hello and welcome to Red Rocks Church, our Austin, Texas location. My name is Doug Weckenman, and can I just tell you for the first time or the millionth time, all this is is imperfect people pursuing a perfect God. Take me for example. Right now I'm wearing sweatpants, and it's not just because this is church at home. It's because it's Red Rocks and I can that's what we do here. And so, so welcome to church. I know this season is, is crazy. I know it's hard and difficult in so many ways. Right now I'm standing in our brand new Kids Rock lobby, just feeling very sentimental, to be honest with you, because we've gotten to use this lobby twice. And I, I just, I miss our, our lobby culture between services. And I miss uh, getting to check my kid into Kids Rock in this lobby. And I miss giving real high fives and real hugs. But like all of you, I am, I am praying and believing we're gonna get back to normal as soon as possible. And in the meantime, we really do have an opportunity here because we're choosing to see as many obstacles as we can as opportunities. We have an opportunity to keep doing church online because as hard as this season is, I wanted to share one really cool thing with you. Last week was our first week ever doing church online, and we actually ended up reaching roughly two to three times as many people as we normally do by gathering in this building. That's really cool. And I wanted to give you a shout out and say thank you because I know it's because so many of you are sending this to friends and coworkers and blasting this all over the internet. And, and I wanted to say thank you and challenge all of us. Let's keep it up because in 2020, in your sweatpants, on your couch, on your phone, you can do the Great Commission. And now it, it, like, it's maybe even more effective today than it ever has been in all of history. And like Paul says in Ephesians 5, make the most of every opportunity, especially the, like the, the seasons that feel dark. Let's make the most of this season. And so thank you for joining us. Whatever you believe about God or about Jesus, even by the end of this video, I pray you'd feel encouraged. I pray you just feel better. I pray you'd feel more peace and joy in your soul. And maybe nothing about your circumstances or this season changes, but your perspective does. And when your soul is healthy, man, you can get through any season. You really can. And so thank you for trusting us to play a small part in trying to, to keep your soul healthy. Just know you're, you've been prayed for. We love you so much. Welcome to Red Rocks Church and week two of Unshakable.
Joshua 1, 6 through 9 reads, Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. All right, guys, welcome to church. We're going to call this church experience, Don't Waste the Wandering. And so as we just read, Joshua and about 2 million Israelites are at the tail end of a 40-year period wandering in the wilderness, in the desert. And I think because of this coronavirus pandemic, a lot of us might feel right now that we're in a season of wandering or at least waiting right now, or this is somewhat of a, of a wilderness, right? It is what it is. And so if that's true, the question becomes, how do we use this season rather than waste this season? You might be wandering. It doesn't mean you have to waste the wandering, right? How do we see um, obstacles as opportunities? Because how many know, like, there's a, there's a difference between passively waiting and actively waiting. If you're in a season of waiting, you might as well wait actively. Joshua actively waited, and you just get the feeling God, God liked that, right? He liked it. I mean, there was, there was, what, two million Israelites with him, and probably a lot of them passively waited and wasted the wandering. And what are their names? Oh, we actually don't know. They're never mentioned. But Joshua has an entire book named after him. In fact, my favorite Bible verse starts with Joshua. Joshua 1.9. Be strong and be courageous. Everybody say, be strong. Be strong. be strong. Be strong and be courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. It's my favorite verse, so much so, I have it tattooed on my ribs right here. I got it tattooed right here in college, and I was actually too afraid to tell my mom about it for about a year until, until the summer after that, we were at the pool, and she goes, wait, 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 wait. When did that happen? And it was funny because she actually like thought it was cool, but she said to me, so you're telling me you were, you were man enough to get a tattoo about courage, but you were too afraid to tell your mom about the tattoo. <laughs> said, yeah, that's why I have the tattoo, because I need it. I need that reminder, and it turns out I've needed it about a thousand times since I got it a decade ago for things I never thought that I would need it for. Like I never saw myself being a, a dad of a one-year-old during a virus pandemic. I never saw myself leading a church and a staff during a season where historically giving plummets, right? And trying to figure out what to do in those moments. Like there are reasons to feel afraid all around us. Reasons to feel afraid. But the good news about that verse is God doesn't say don't feel afraid. God says don't be afraid. There's a difference between feeling fear, having fear, and letting that fear have you and own you or infect you. And here's what I know about being strong and being courageous. It is, it is a lot more easy, a lot easier to be courageous when you get courageous. It's a lot 
easier to be strong when you get strong. So here's how I'll explain that. I have this, this dumbbell, it's a Bowflex dumbbell in my garage and you can, you can change it, you can change the settings to go from five pounds all the way to 55 pounds. So if Tyler were to challenge me right now, like Doug, hey, just with one hand, with one arm, curl 55 pounds, be strong. Well, I, I can't do that. I can, like, even if he says, well, just be strong though. Doesn't matter. Like, it turns out you can only be as strong as you are. Now, Tyler could probably do that. I've seen Tyler curl subwoofers <laughs> setting up for our church, all right? I know for a fact I could not curl that right now. But here's what I also know. I know this thing cranks down to five pounds. And I know, I know right here and right now, I can, I can do this all day. Maybe not all day for maybe an hour, all right? And I know if I kept with it, next week I could do 10 pounds and then I could do 15 pounds, then I can do 20 pounds, and eventually I could get strong. I might not be this strong right now, but I could get strong because weight is just pressure. Weight is pressure that makes you stronger. Here's what James says about pressure in James chapter one. Consider it a sheer gift. Now right there, that's crazy. Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges, and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do, let it do its work in you so that you may become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. And so that verse, really quick, it doesn't say, hey, hey, when trials come, just you know, celebrate it like, trials are awesome, and I love pandemic seasons. No, he, he, he doesn't say, Hey, pretend it's fun. Trials suck. Seasons like this are really hard. Like we go, we go through stuff, right? But use pressure, what he's saying, use pressure to make you stronger. He's not saying, hey, laugh and throw a party, but he is saying, don't waste it. Use pressure to get stronger because here's what I know, this pandemic is not the last time any of us will feel pressure. If there's anything we know about life, unless you're seven, you know that life is full of constant pressure, whether it's a pandemic or financial pressure or relational pressure, like whatever it is, I've had no shortage of conversations of people who are feeling pressure and pressure can cause you to panic. We're seeing that. Pressure can make you anxious. Pressure can paralyze you, but pressure also makes diamonds if you use it correctly. Pressure can break you, but pressure can, can make you. And I feel like lifting weights or exercise just in my life has been the perfect example of using pressure and not wasting it. Using it to make you and not break you. So I'm an anxious person and you could call anxiety just low-grade panic, right? And I, I experience low-grade panic Funny enough, until I go to the gym and exercise, because exercise, sweating, your body releases endorphins, and I've heard it's the equivalent of taking a little bit of Ritalin and Prozac every day for your brain. It's like what it does. So it's, I, I feel all this pressure until I press back on the pressure and leverage it, and then all of a sudden enters like peace, and, and I'm stronger because of it. And I've just been looking at the season like what an opportunity to get fit spiritually. 
because we're surrounded, like James would say, by pressure on every single side. You might be in a wasteland or the wilderness or in the waiting or in the wandering or whatever W word you want to throw in there. But what, what if you saw this as an opportunity to apply what you already know, right? To, to get into the word, to, to pray, to do what James would say later on in that same chapter, to be a doer of the word and not just a hearer of the word, to not waste the wandering so that you might be, like he would say later on in chapter one, mature and complete not lacking anything because here's what I know this pandemic season will come to an end it's gonna end the question is who will you be when it does will you be the same person because you stayed paralyzed and you just waited passively through this whole thing will you just have fruit of panic the whole time or will you be better because of it opportunity not obstacle I've just talked to so many people right now who are going through it and I just, I'm kind of at a loss for something effective to say to people that's going to be the answer they need or want to hear. Because in like our reality right now is, hey, it, it might get worse before it gets better. You might feel distant from God for a while. You might watch your bank account like dwindle. You might lose your job if you haven't. This might be a really, really difficult season. And so I don't just wanna give like cold comfort, like, oh, don't be anxious, don't be afraid because did you know like having anxiety is actually a sin? And you're like, well, now I'm just, I feel more anxious because I'm like, well, not only am I worrying, but now I'm sinning by doing that. So that's not helpful. It might be right, but it doesn't mean it's helpful. So how can we be helpful? What can we say and what can we teach? We've sat around all day trying to figure out what can we teach our church right now that's going to help. And what I'm realizing is we really do live in the generation that is overtaught and underapplied, trying to figure out what to teach the overtaught. I'm telling you right now, the answer is not found in the new thing you can learn. It's not found in the spirit of like, if you've heard all the sermons, your answer is not, teach me something new that's going to help me right now. Your answer is doing what you already know. Doing what you already know. This is the, the pastor conundrum in the West for the last three decades is trying to figure out how do I get my people to do what we talk about out there in the absence of a crisis when really if they don't apply the stuff that we're talking about, they're still going to be okay. Now when push comes to shove, which it has, now in the presence of a pandemic, all we have is what we apply. All we have is what we put into practice to find out firsthand that the promises of Jesus are real. So one of the best pictures uh, that we have of finding out firsthand uh, happened when we were in Fiji. And I know last time we were talking about being the Dominican Republic, now we're talking about being in Fiji. We suffered, we've suffered for the gospel. <laughs> Um, but hey, we're traveling around and we happen to be in Fiji working with an organization uh, taking water filters to these remote villages. Ironically, Fiji water is actually not clean. So um, what was happening in these villages is that because of the water, there were typhoid outbreaks. So people were sick, people were literally dying from typhoid. And we had the chance to take these filters into their villages and teach them how to use them to provide them with clean water. Well, a couple weeks into our time there, we woke up in the middle of the night to this crazy storm, which turned out to be a hurricane. 
And uh, within 15 minutes, we were up to our waists in floodwater, carrying all of our stuff from the house we were living in across to the church because the church was just a little bit higher. And so the floodwater wasn't getting in there. The next morning, we're taking inventory of what we've got and uh, starting to realize, hey, we're not going to be able to get to stores to buy supplies and things. And we don't have enough water to drink. And then light bulb, we have a bunch of water filters. It just so happens. And so we had a bucket, I'll never forget this, a bucket of flood water, like murkier than water should ever be. And we're looking at it like this is probably just a bucket of typhoid. I don't know <laughs> what that looks like, but I bet it's this. We start to see the water go, going into the tube to go into the filter, into a glass. And we're all kind of looking at each other like, well, I sure hope these things work because our lives depend on it right now. And it turns out we had clear, clean water and we didn't get sick and we were fine and the filter worked. And I can tell you that from that point forward, when we got to go back out to villages and give them these filters and teach them how to use them, we had so much more passion for those things. We had trust in those things. We had faith in those things because they saved us. We knew that they worked. And I think our faith in a lot of ways is like that, that we tell people, yeah, you should go to church, believe in God, I do. But it can be kind of like that filter, like it's on a shelf somewhere. Like I have faith, it's there. I don't really have to use it a lot. Now we're in a time where we do like it or not, your faith is being activated. It's being used right now. And, and my hope is coming out of this time and the passion that we could have for people, the trust and the faith that will come from a season when our faith is being put into action. And so you think about Joshua. He's standing in this be strong moment and, and there's battles that await before the promised land. He's the leader now. He's got people looking to him. His decisions are really going to make or break the history of his people. And he's feeling fear naturally. And God's telling him, hey, don't be afraid, be strong. And what I think about Joshua and looking at his life is that God was reminding him of the strength that he had. Joshua walked out of slavery in Egypt and through the Red Sea. He wandered with all of these people. He was one of the two guys when they sent spies to go look ahead at the land. Joshua came back with Caleb and said, we can do this. If God's with us, we can do this when everybody else said no. He had this strength that was building in him in the wandering. And so in this moment, this be strong moment, man, he hadn't wasted that wandering and he was strong because of it. And for us, we're going to have be strong moments in the future. And I hope that we look back on this time and say, man, I got strengthened in that time. I think the temptation is kind of like, I'm just going to put my head down and get through this right now, right? Like I saw a great meme. This guy said, uh, all the gyms around me are closed. It's truly God's will that I remain out of shape. And this girl, this girl tweeted back and said, work out from home. And he tweeted back and said, I said God's will is done. <laughs> and I laughed at that. And then I thought like, that's kind of the easy mentality to have right now. Like when I found out that sports were just stopping, I'm like, well, what am I going to do now? Like, when I get home and then what do I do? Sports are gone. And what a shame it would be when they come back if I'm exactly the same as I am right now. If I am no stronger then than I am right now, because March Madness will be here next year, and I can promise you I'm going to watch so many games. I'm going to enjoy it. And my hope is that, that I can even enjoy it more because I need it less. I can enjoy it more because I grew stronger with Jesus in this time. So Jesus, he said, we hear, we're hearing a lot right now. Don't be anxious, right? Don't be anxious. Don't worry. Jesus said it. Well, right before that, in Matthew chapter 6, he says, 
but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Then he says, therefore don't be anxious about tomorrow. So that's kind of the instruction. That's on the way to not being anxious, not worrying, is seek first the kingdom. And, I, and, and he knows. Like, I don't have all the answers for people right now. And that's frustrating and hard for me. I don't know what to tell people in a lot of ways. But what I do know is that Jesus is aware of their problems that they're facing right now. And he says, seek first my kingdom and all the things that you worry about will be added to you. He is aware of those things. And we're called to seek first his kingdom. Don't seek first your worries. Don't seek first your fears. When you wake up in the morning, that's what's happening right now. We start seeking those things, going down roads, and then we're just stuck in the fear. It's becoming us, right? We're, we're being fearful and filled with it. And he's saying, no, seek me first when you wake up in the morning. When those worries start hit, seek me first. Before you go to bed, you seek me first. And if you do that, then you will be able not to worry and to be anxious. I'm aware of what's happening. And that might sound like, yeah, that's a cool, that sounds great. Quote Jesus on that. I don't have all the answers, but I'm going to trust what Jesus said when it comes to worry. I'm going to trust that he's aware of our needs, that he tells us to seek first his kingdom more than my logic of what I can think up right now. I'm going to trust what Jesus said because, because he knew better than anybody else what it looked like, the kingdom that we're seeking. And so for, for us now, I think uh, the challenge is to, to dive into this time, to not waste this wandering, to grow stronger in this time. And and when everything is stripped away to find out, man, he's really all we need. And as a church, when we get back into this room, we shouldn't be the same church that we were when we left, when we were all together. We should be stronger as a church. We should have more awareness. This place should be filled with individuals who have more awareness of our passion, our trust, our faith in Jesus because we had to, we had to use it. We had to take that thing out. We had to see if it worked. And it does. And it does. In a time like this, you realize that in the midst of everything going on, he really is all that we need. I need
So in 1665, Great Plague spreads all through London, shuts down all the universities, including Cambridge University, and so all of the teachers and the students have to go home. Can you imagine such a thing? And one of those young teachers was a young guy named Isaac Newton. He had just graduated and started teaching. He was still pursuing uh, some, some further learning. He still had his, his mentor there. He was just starting to hit his stride and discover his purpose. And in one moment, they send him home. So this guy has to go back and be quarantined in his home for 18 months. And I imagine those first few days were kind of strange, right? He used to have his lab where he could do all of his work and his colleagues and his friends and his mentors that were, were carrying him along. And now all of a sudden he's, he's alone, he's, he's by himself. But then one day, a couple days into it, he wakes up. He realizes, you know what? I may not have my lab, I may not have my colleagues, I may not have my mentors, but I'm still here. And I can still do what I'm put on this earth to do. And for him, that was think really, really deeply about all the things that none of us understand. So he wakes up, picture him eating his Wheaties, he sits down at his desk and he gets to work. Okay, in this time, he develops a brand new way to approach mathematics that we now call calculus. Then he makes breakthroughs on the optic theory, and then, as the story goes, he's out in his garden one day taking a break from everything, and he sees an apple fall from a tree. Gets his mind thinking, the gears turning, and that leads to him discovering and explaining gravity and the laws of motion and all of the things that he did. Now, was that plague good? No. Of course not. Was it scary? I'm sure. Would Isaac rather be with all of his buddies hanging out? Yeah, probably. But the fields of mathematics and science have never been the same since that day. Okay. Is what we're going through right now with coronavirus good? Of course not. It's terrible. Is it scary? Absolutely. And yet right in the middle of all of this fear, we have this very unique moment, this very unique time, right in the middle of the digital age, right when we thought that things were never going to slow down, when the world was just gonna get busier and busier and busier. It's like we have this, this unique moment etched right in that has this opportunity to slow down a little bit and actually seek solitude. So with all of the obstacles that are facing us right now, I think that we actually have a, an opportunity to not be scared of solitude. Now I need to pause for a second because solitude and isolation are two very different things. And I need to, to speak to my fellow introverts right now, right? We don't get to isolate during this time. Church, we don't get to isolate during this time. We were made for community. We were created in the image of a communal God. We need each other now 
more than ever. We don't get to isolate. Isolate is disconnecting. We don't get to disconnect. We have to keep sending the text messages. We have to keep making the phone calls. We need to keep getting creative uh, about how we get the social interaction. And for those of you who that comes easier for, we need you to reach out to those of us who tend to isolate now more than ever. We don't get to isolate. However, there is this really unique opportunity to seek solitude. Isolation is disconnecting. Solitude is connecting with the creator of the universe. And what I can tell you is that all throughout scripture, all of the men and women that did significant things for the kingdom of heaven had one thing in common. They all had a season or seasons of solitude. David, David kills Goliath, gets anointed as king, and you're reading the story in 1 Samuel, and you're like, this guy's got it made. And then he spends his 20s, an entire decade, almost running for his life because Saul is still the king, technically. He's power hungry. He's jealous of David. And Saul happens to have the whole army at his command, so he sends the whole army after David. So, so David, all through his 20s, is living in the caves, looking over his shoulder, sleeping under the stars, probably not even sleeping, probably just staring up at, at the night sky. Is that an ideal way to spend that decade? Of course not. Okay. Some of the most profound psalms that have ever been composed were composed by David in that decade. Psalms that we still sing today. Psalms that in moments like this, we resonate with at a deep soul level and go, man, thank you for that. I needed that now more than ever. And then David becomes king. And I would imagine has people that, that need to hear from him all of the time and have all these decisions that, that he has to make. I bet you when life got crazy for David as king, he was thinking back to those moments under the stars on the run where he was terrified but feeling a proximity to his creator that only comes in solitude. Because solitude is where you discover what God actually thinks about you. Think about Paul. Church planner extraordinaire. Guy that did so many amazing things for the kingdom of heaven. Spent his final few years in jail, house arrest, quarantine. Think about how frustrating that would be. This is the guy that wanted to be right in the middle of the action. Instead, he just has to sit in solitude. What does he do in solitude? He pens some letters to some churches that he planted that have lasted way longer than anything that he, like, like think about it, the church in, in Ephesus that he planted was probably pretty amazing. In fact, we find out that, that it, it blew up and it was doing some really cool things and people were probably getting set free. But the letter that he wrote to the church in Ephesus is still used today to set people free. The church in Philippi, we know it was popping. We know it was amazing. It would have been amazing to be a part of it, but the letter that he wrote to the church in Philippi, we call it Philippians, is probably the most quoted, most tattooed letter that has ever been written, right? Still to this day, the things that he did in solitude far outlasted the things that, that he was doing when, when he was running around planning churches. There's something so beautiful about solitude. Solitude is the moment you find out what God really thinks about you. Jesus, 
the savior of the world from age 12 to 30. All we get is Luke 2, 52, Jesus grew in wisdom. Savior of the world, stayed home and grew in wisdom. And then when it was time to start his ministry, he's all ready to go and the spirit goes, hey, wilderness, wilderness, 40 days, no food, no water. It's time for solitude because you got, you got quite a mission in front of you. You need solitude because solitude is where you find out what God really thinks about you. We have this incredible opportunity to experience God in solitude in, in a way that, that we, I thought we would never again have, right? There were so, there's so many distractions coming our way all the time and suddenly it's like, for some of us, all we have is time. And, and so how do we do it? Well, we've been reading Joshua 1, 9, right? Be strong and, and courageous for the Lord your God will be with you everywhere you go. I want to read the verse right before Joshua 1, 9, which is, Joshua 1 8 it says this keep this book of the law always on your lips keep this what they had at the time this book of the law what we now have as the Bible always on your lips meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it then you will be prosperous and successful have I not commanded you be strong and courageous do not be afraid do not be discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go what's the secret to being strong and courageous meditate get alone with your creator don't be scared of the solitude because I'll tell you what happens when we sit down when we get alone with this book and we get alone with God and we start to read and we start to pray and we start to meditate, you're going to start to find out what God actually thinks about you. Spoiler alert, he's crazy about you. He calls you his son, he calls you his daughter. He knitted you together in your mother's womb and he has a plan and a purpose for your life. Now, you can hear me say that. And you can say amen, and you can even believe it. Solitude is where you actually start to experience it firsthand. And I'm telling you, man, when that starts to happen, well, when, you, when you get alone, when you read, when you breathe, when you meditate on Scripture, all of a sudden things are going to start to, to come out of you. Things that, like seeds that God planted in you years ago are going to start to sprout. Things that God placed in your heart, placed in my heart years ago, have been waiting for this time, for such a time as this to start coming forward. Is the coronavirus a good thing? No, absolutely not. Do I wish we weren't in this time in the wilderness? Of course. Here's what I also know. There are apps that need to be created during this time. There are books that need to be written during this time. There are songs that need to be composed during this time. There are businesses that need to be created during this time. There are relationships that need to be mended during this time. There are websites that need to be coded during this time. There are things that need to happen and solitude is where we get our marching orders. 
we sit and we breathe. And we're going to give you uh, opportunities and guides this week to help you do that. And I'm telling you, as you do that, it's like the Spirit of God is going to start to awaken things inside of us that, that um, have been waiting for such a time as this. And so you sit, you breathe, you open up the, the Word and you read a passage and then maybe you read it again. Your mind's going to be going every which way, but you just keep breathing, you keep praying, keep sitting in, in, in silence, you meditate on, on what scripture is saying and just watch, just watch and see what happens. It may, may only be able to go five minutes. Great. Like Doug said at, at the beginning, I think Doug admitted that he can only curl five pounds at, at the beginning, which we all know. Hey, your first time in solitude with God may only be five minutes. That's great. It's a win. Next day, it's going to be up to 10. Soon enough, it's going to be 15. It's going to be 20, 25. I'll tell you a, a little secret about working out that people that are terrified of working out don't understand is that once you actually start doing it, it becomes the best part of your day. Solitude works the same way. You keep going 15, 20, 25. Before you know it, you will with joy start setting your alarm clock a little bit earlier every morning because you know how much you need the solitude to spring you into the day. Solitude isn't actually an obstacle. It's an opportunity. Solitude is an opportunity. Am I happy that we're in the wilderness right now? No, I'm not. We're certainly not going to waste it. We have the opportunity uh, of solitude, so don't be scared uh, of the solitude because we want you to actually experience God firsthand. Because what we're believing, I'm going to echo what, what Ethan said, is that the next time we meet together in this room, there's going to be something different in the atmosphere. It's going to be something different uh, about this place because it's going to be filled with men and women who have not just heard that God loves them from, from somebody else, somebody on stage or whatever, but who have actually experienced in the solitude that God is crazy about them. A bunch of people who are lifting their hands, not just out of desperation, but in victory, going, hey, I know God's with me on this mountain right now. I know that he's before me on this mountain because he was also with me in the wilderness. And we didn't waste that wilderness time. We knew that God was before us, behind us, and beside us so we can walk forward now in victory knowing who our God is. We're not gonna waste this time in the wilderness. We're not gonna waste the wandering. We're gonna embrace it. Church, we got this. We were made for this. God's preparing us for such a time as this. So let's worship even in the wilderness. So Father God, thank you so much for this place. Lord, I thank you for what you are doing in this church. And Father, we thank you that we don't have to be afraid. God, we have every reason to be afraid and it's okay to feel afraid, but you are going with us so we don't have to be afraid. Thank you for calling us calling us to times of solitude, times of silence, times with you. And thank you, Lord, that you are before us, that you are behind us, and that you are beside us. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name.
Hey, thanks so much for tuning in. I hope it was encouraging for you. And I want you to know from us to you, we are doing everything that we possibly can to step up our game with getting content out there for you to use throughout the week, practical ways for you to experience God and find family and discover purpose and go lead. And so if you keep up with us on social media and keep checking back in with our website, you're gonna find you're gonna find uh, virtual hangouts that you can join and Netflix parties where we can watch the same movie at the same time with chat rooms and, and groups that you can join where you can be in community, even on your computer and more online church experiences like this coming at you not just on Sundays but other evenings of the week as well so keep checking back and I want to just continue to encourage you look for opportunities I know it doesn't make sense in times like this but everything about the kingdom really never does quite make sense on a surface level. Keep looking for opportunities to be generous, whether it's to this church, if you call this church your home, or if you have another church that you call home, or if there's just another organization out there or another relief area that, that needs help, be generous. Look for ways to give even when it just makes sense because it opens your hands and it basically is you saying to yourself and to God, my life, even right now, is not in, in my control. It's in His. And I promise you, that might be what your soul needs more than anything else. And so, man, what we understand, churches take hits because everybody takes hits. It's a tough season. So no, we have your back. We're praying for you. We're going first. We love you. Stay tuned, and we'll see you next time.